You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click Donate. Luke's narratives about Jesus, beginning with the Christmas narratives, they ultimately offer hope for those that society deems less than. They are still problematic as well to those in positions of power and in positions of privilege. And I believe they offer much to those who are working toward a world of love and justice today. Welcome to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. This is episode 310, and our title is Great Joy for All People, Part 3. First, let me say Happy New Year to all of you out there. As we begin uh, 2020, let's take one last look at our series for this recent Advent season and the, the springboard that it provides us for this new year. In part one and part two, we looked at Luke's birth narratives for Jesus in the social context of Rome, uh, Judaism under Roman imperialism, and then early Christianity within that Judaism. And we asked whether the birth narratives have anything to offer us in our justice work today, politically, economically, socially, and even theologically. And I want to end our consideration with Luke's Magnificat of Mary found in, in Luke chapter 1. This is Luke 1, 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those that, who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Now, we've seen that Luke's birth narratives about Jesus, they both converged with social, political, and economic hopes of their day, and they diverged from, uh, and sometimes even subverted the, the social, political, economic practices of, of Rome. Mary's Magnificat, it matters because of this context. The first thing to notice uh, about these words is, is that Mary's praise, it contains absolutely no reference to the afterlife in relation to the one that she's conceived or, or the hopes that she believes this child will fulfill. And some Christians may be surprised that Mary's words of gratitude and praise, they're not rooted in, in thankfulness for, for needed relief from a post-mortem hell or, or the gift of eternity in heaven. Line by line, Mary's words instead express gratitude for relief and liberation from the oppressive realities that she and her Jewish society experience in this life, in the here and, and in the now. As Leo Tolstoy wrote in the beginning of his, his last book, The Path of Life, Life. This is from page three. 
He wrote, genuine religion is not about speculating about God or the soul or about what happened in the past or what will happen in the future. It cares only about one thing, finding out exactly what should or should not be done in this lifetime. Christianity today is deeply focused on attaining heaven in an afterlife and avoiding or or escaping hell. But that's not the focus of the Jesus narratives. Christianity's focus on the afterlife has too often produced profoundly harmful fruit. And to the same degree where Christianity is focused on liberation or justice or or equity in this life, it's produced profoundly life-giving fruit. Walter Rauschenbusch, he was a leader, if you're unfamiliar with who that is or was, he was a leader in the the social gospel movement in the early 20th century. In his book, uh, A Theology for the Social Gospel, page 15, he comments on, on this Christian history. He writes, the non-ethical practices and beliefs in historical Christianity nearly all center on the winning of heaven and immortality. On the other hand, the kingdom of God, and remember that's the theme of the Jesus stories, the kingdom of God can be established by nothing except righteous life and action. It's it's a deeply different focus. Many sectors of Western Christianity, they still miss this point today. Uh, Rita Nakashima Brock and and Rebecca Parker, uh, we uh, I believe we read this book last year. If it wasn't last year, it was the year before that it was one of our, our monthly featured readings or recommended readings. But they give several examples in this beautiful book. And, and one such example that, that explains how evangelical Christianity today has become such an obstruction to matters of social justice is the history of the first great awakening. Listen to what they they write. This is page 371, talking about the first great awakening. Rather than engage people more deeply in the world, the great awakening lifted the soul beyond earthly life to the upper world. Jonathan Edwards' earthly loves had always to point beyond themselves, to primary beauty. And as he said, even the love of other human beings was secondary beauty. To look through earth into heaven, through death into eternity, through the beloved into God was the spiritual ideal. To love in this way was always to have your heart and mind and soul turned elsewhere, perpetually departing the present for something better. Edward's beauty did not draw people into ethical engagement with life in this world, but move them beyond the spirits in trees and clouds and dirt and rain and fish and deer and bodies and winds. He asked them to dwell with one foot always in another better world, not here, not now. History, it's it's littered with other examples that we could list of how an otherworldly afterlife focus in Christianity, it has brought concrete damage to communities on the margins of their society. Christianity, it may have begun as a community on the margins itself, a community of people that were on the margins of their own society. But Christianity today, it holds a position of power and privilege. Even though here in in the United States, uh, that power and privilege is dwindling, uh, Christianity still uh, uh, resides in a place of power and privilege. And it has a history of, of becoming complicit 
with the harm and even participating uh, in that harm and pushing others to the edges of society instead. In contrast, Jesus' story, including the, the Christmas birth narratives that we've just been looking at, they speak of, of liberation from oppression in this life, the end of injustice in this life, the end of violence and marginalization in, in this life. And we can glean much from the Jesus story for our justice work today. And the story's largest focus is actually economic justice. The, the fa that foundation, the economic foundation in the Jesus stories, the economic justice foundation, it allows us to discern, I believe, applications for other kinds of distributive, reparative, and restorative justices as well, not just economic. And we've discussed these uh, throughout the entire series. But let's begin with a phrase found in Mary's words there in Luke chapter 1. We find the phrase, he has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty. Now this phrase, it's very problematic. It still offends, even today, those who have more than they could ever possibly need in a world where others are barely surviving. But before we alleviate the discomfort of Mary's words here, let's consider what other types of injustice, not just economic injustice, but what other types of injustice we could apply them to. In matters of, of racial justice, these words today could read, he has filled people of color with good things. He has sent white people away empty. In matters of immigrant justice, these words could read, he has filled those fleeing violence in their homelands with good things. He has sent privileged citizens away empty. In matters of gender inequality, these words could read, he has filled cis and trans women with good things, but he has sent men away empty. In matters of LGBTQIA justice, it could read, he has filled lesbians, gays, bisexuals, transgender, asexual, intersex, queer, and questioning people with good things, he has sent straight heterosexual folks away empty. In matters of indigenous justice, it could read, he has filled the First Nations with good things. He has sent the colonialists away empty. Like many of Jesus's words, these words can be perceived as good news by some in society and deeply problematic by others. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. That's great news. For, for those ranked last in the present system. It's at least problematic for those who have worked their entire lives to be privileged as first. And statements like these from Mary and, and later from Jesus, they help us understand why the elites, the, the privileged and the powerful of Jesus's uh, society concluded that Jesus and his influence and his teachings, they had to be silenced and removed. Luke's narratives about Jesus begin Beginning with the Christmas narratives, they ultimately offer hope for those that society deems less than. They are still problematic as well to those in positions of power 
and in positions of privilege. And I believe they offer much to those who are working toward a world of love and justice today. And one example is in Jesus's teachings on the tradition of nonviolence. This month, Renewed Heart Ministries recommended reading our featured book of the month is Marshall Rosenberg's uh, Nonviolent Communication. Nonviolent methods, uh, they're beneficial to those that are working on interpersonal and social change. And in 2020, um, we're going to be focusing on on these teachings of Jesus to discover a few things. Number one, how Christians can be better humans, how Christians can engage the work of reparations for the harm that they've been both complicit in and committed themselves to in the marginalizing of, of groups and other communities, and how we can work toward a world of love and justice in life-giving ways. The, the Jesus story doesn't end with his teachings being problematic for the powerful and the privileged, though. It doesn't even end with his execution for the social problems that he was both creating and solving. It doesn't even end with Jesus's murder and resurrection. The story reaches its climax when the early followers of Jesus, learning how to follow his example, they see the universal truths that they had encountered in Jesus now working in themselves. This is from Walter Wink, the human being, Jesus in the Enigma of the Son of Man, page 153. The disciples also saw that the spirit that had worked within Jesus continued to work in and through them. In their preaching, they extended his critique of domination. They continued his life by advancing his mission. They persisted in proclaiming the domination-free order of God inaugurated, inaugurated by Jesus. That's the order that, that we proclaim, too. Uh, another world is possible if we choose it. And in this new year, in 2020, and even in this new decade, we're going to be given, There's we're going to have before us uh, the offering of many opportunities uh, to make this new world, if we wish. Heart group application this week, number one, what goals or actions would you like to see your heart group focus on uh, within the group uh, this new year? Discuss uh, with your group these and, and pick something to, to put into practice. Number two, what goals or actions would you like to see your heart group focus on uh, within your larger faith community this new year? And discuss those with your group and then pick something to put into practice. And then number three, what goals or actions would you like to see your heart group focus on within your larger society this new year in your community? Uh, discuss that with your group and then pick something to, to and put it into to, to practice. Here's to a world of love and justice and the work required by each of us to create it. Thanks for checking in with us this week. Wherever you are, keep choosing love, compassion, taking action, and reparative and distributive justice. Happy New Year to all of you. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week.